0: Welcome to episode eight of the AFA GenX podcast. My name is Ashley Mahadia, the national chair of the GenX community of practice and your host for this episode. A big thank you to the AFA for allowing us to host this podcast and to our supporting partner, Advice Intelligence for powering this episode. In 2021, cybersecurity authorities in the US, Australia and the UK Observe an increase in sophisticated high impact cyber attacks. 43% of cyber attacks are targeted at small businesses, and 95% of all attacks are done via email hacking. This episode will help you understand the importance of a cybersecurity plan for your practice. We speak with Karen Stevens, founder of B Cyber, and Fraser Jack, founder of The Cyber Collective. They are both on a mission to make sure that every Australian can trust their financial professionals with their confidential data. Karen and Fraser, welcome to the AFA Gen X podcast. I really look mm-hmm. forward to your insights on how financial advisors can be more cyber resilient.
1: We will do our best.
0: Looking <laughs> forward <important> to it. <laughs> right, let's get into it. So... How do we bridge the gap between cybersecurity and financial advice? Karen, we'll start with you.
1: Okay. I think one of the key things to understand is that cyber is not a technical problem. It's a business problem. Okay. So, you know, an advisor spends years building up their business, gaining the client's trust. You know, the client trusts you with their financial health, their financial wealth, and all of their data. And that can be undone in an instant, by the accidental pressing of a button or, you know, sharing of information that you don't want. So it's very easy to to lose that trust. And if you lose that trust, then you may actually, and I know this sounds a bit scary, you may actually lose your business. There was a KPMG Small Business Reputation and Cyber Risk report that came out um, in relation specifically to financial services. And they said that financial services who had suffered a cyber breach Um, nearly two in five businesses had lost a large portion of their clients in the direct aftermath. So we've got to be really careful about that. And I think the other thing is that ASIC are becoming more interested. I mean, cyber cuts across all facets of your business, be it HR, financial services, um, invoicing, favorite place to to um, hide in plain sight. Um, And they've actually come out very recently to the Australian Institute of Company Directors. So that was on the 3rd of March this year. And they actually said, we are prioritising cyber governance and cyber resilience. It's a key priority for them. So they don't expect perfection, but they expect some sort of positive movement. So I think it's really important that we don't just say cyber is a techie problem. It's over there. It's not. It's a business problem, but it's also a business opportunity. And we can touch on that a little bit later
2: yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's certainly uh, I think the very first part of bridging the gap in any particular circumstance is that the 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 deciding to do it and taking the mindset towards it. And you know, Karen just mentioned some very practical um things that we should all be focusing on, but a lot lot of the time, um advisors are busy, you know they've got a lot on, they've got a lot they've had a lot on over the last few years and and the cyber thing has kind of just been pushed um you know push to the back or it's on the list but it's nowhere near the top of the list and i think the the biggest thing that we can do for bridging the gap is actually making it a priority you know in the business and if it's not you if it's not you you know you're listening to this podcast but if it's not you in the business then it should be somebody and having a, a cyber champion or somebody in the business that can take that lead and 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 do the get the information and then bring it forth to the practice because um, it seems like it's a different world. It seems like it's a lot of terminology and technical stuff that you just don't can't <laughs> get your head around. Um, but in many cases, it's not so much uh, not so difficult once it's been explained to people and, and and get a little bit of understanding, a little bit of information, um, and and get started. And, and the other thing to to note on it too is it's not so much that you do a cyber transformation and that's the end of it. Like a cyber transformation needs to become business as usual, like having your staff understanding what they're doing and security and and having all the little bits and pieces and and the hygiene and the the basics in place. It's not about doing it and forgetting about it. It's about becoming BAU and and taking that mindset approach to say, this is something that we're going to implement in the business and continue to run in the business uh, every day, every day, every week, every month, um, you know, from here on.
1: Absolutely. If I could just add one thing there, Fraser, what I noticed when I moved from the advice world into the cyber world is that there are terms that cross over both, but have two totally different meanings. I went to um, an asset, what I thought was an asset management presentation, expecting a fundy to tell me all about life. And they were talking about software and hardware, and I'm sitting there going, oh, this is not what I signed up for. So I think we just have to acknowledge that You know, there are no dumb questions when it comes to this because we've all fallen into the oh, is that what you mean? Oh, I thought you meant that. So I I think that's really important as well.
0: Thank you. Fraser, can you please mention a few cyber events and the impact those could have on financial advice practices?
2: Yeah, so there's there's been there's been a lot of different cyber events happen to financial advice practices as well as other businesses outside of financial advice. But specifically in financial advice, there's some well-known cases that have been through courts recently that talked about employees working from home, hackers hacking into uh to home routers, obviously fairly easy. Um, you're using brute force type hacking tools to guess passwords, guess the correct sequence of passwording to get into somebody's remote desktop or into their work server and once they're in under a guest password they're a legitimate user again they're not they're not coming in as as a um in, as a hack uh you know coming in they're coming in to you know to crms and to uh into software into uh to service business work service as a legitimate user and so then they can then download and take their time to, to steal client information um use that to sell on you know and th- that information can be used on the dark web um aml ctf type issues kick in vigil police get involved um, you know, it all then comes back down to later on finding out that the financial advisor was hacked, you know, many, many months um, down the track. So that's sort of one of the ways, but there are a lot of stories I hear about uh, with email, people getting in through um, clicks on emails and uh, and not even just getting in, like you, you think of the, oh, they're going to lock out and ransom, you know, you pay pay some money. And that's that's certainly one of the ways, but a lot of the time it's getting in or, or, or intercepting transactions in between spoof emails, trying to, let people know that there's a new BSB and account number we want that money paid into uh and coming in and pretending to be the from the advice practice or one of the domains of the advice practice and then tricking the clients into paying the money into the wrong account
1: absolutely and one of my favorite cert boxes so I'll try not to stand on it too heavily is the whole insider threat the risk whose name we dare not speak because obviously none of us want to think that our our staff would do something naughty towards us or our clients but unfortunately there's a great example if you can call it that out there in Australia so in um in February 2019 there was a group whom many of you may be familiar with called Landmark White it's quite a famous case so essentially they had two long-term employee contractors so 12 years So these guys have been working in the business with their clients, with their staff for 12 years, and they basically got the irrits over something and dumped all of this valuation data on the dark web. So by December of that year, they'd spent over $8 million in remediation. They had relisted under a different name. So if you Google landmark white cyber breach, you'll notice that they're no longer called. Lamar White. And two two blokes are now obviously facing court and they've been in jail for quite some time over it. So I think that's really important. You, you just sort of it's the unknowns, if you will, that you just have to be super, super careful for. Um, And I think, you know, there are some of the trends that we can learn um, from the US and it's sort of slightly onto the next topic. So i just realized that, Ash, so I'm really sorry. But in the US, what we're seeing is the whole education piece that that Fraser mentioned. But they're taking it beyond just the staff and they're actually taking it to their clients now i fully acknowledge that this is in the private wealth space and not everyone plays in private wealth fully accept that but you know bringing that up with your clients you know just letting them know that you as a business are cyber aware and you're taking not only their financial health but their data protection really seriously and giving them handy hints you're not the expert, but you're showing them you're cyber aware. So I think that's something perhaps as well.
2: Yeah. And I also want to just add to that, that the the ramifications are pretty serious here. It's a bit like, um, uh, when we do estate planning we say you know you do estate planning because it costs a lot less to do it, time and effort and money to do estate planning at the beginning than it does uh, you know at the other end when you're trying to sort things out and this is exactly the same with cyber incidents and cyber breaches it's certainly the the cost of and time associated with doing this at the beginning it, it far outweighs the cost at the other end um, but yeah, yeah some of the stats are incredible the length of time businesses are out there the, the the loss of trust um, having to tell all your clients that you've been breached and, and, and you've lost their private and confidential information, um, you know, professional reputation. Because not only do you have to tell your clients, you have to tell uh, the regulators, who then publish you as a as a yeah, as a risk. Yeah, you're meant to also tell your suppliers and, and your supply chain um, people. And so, you know, loss of trust, loss of uh, business valuations, and loss of reputations are probably the the, the three big um, problems here that advisors face.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we can just add cyber insurance in there as well, because what some people don't understand, cyber insurance is not that dissimilar to the personal insurance that advisors use on a day-to-day basis, you know, TPD, IP, things of that nature. And the T's and C's are a bit of a movable feast at the moment. What we're seeing is premiums are going up. Gallagher's came out and said that they're increasing, the median increase is 50.2% globally. So that's the small and medium business market. But what's happening is the terms and conditions, the coverage is actually contracting. So you're not covered for as much as you once were. And the other thing that people need to remember is they need to follow with cyber insurance the bouncing ball. Okay, so if your cyber insurance says this is the first thing that you need to do in the event of the cyber breach, you need to do whatever that first step is. And the reason for that is just like any general, any type of insurance, if you don't follow the bouncing ball, so to speak, then you may actually decrease the amount that you'll get paid or you may not be covered at all. So, you know, you just, just be a little bit aware with that. That's one that a lot of people get tricked out of, unfortunately. So if you haven't read your cyber insurance, if you've just gone, oh, yeah, the broker does all that, please read your cyber insurance policy after this. Grab a coffee, have a nice read.
2: Yeah, we always say, don't we, when it comes to, you know, other uh, type of risk risk insurance policies, never never worry about, you know, the cheapest policy or the, you know, there's, there's always a cheaper option out there. And we're talking about a, a product that lives in the general insurance space. Um, so it's not as, you know, rigid as the, you know, the non-cancellable plans, et cetera, from risk. So, you know, absolutely read your policy, understand it. There are a lot of people, uh, advisors I speak to, that have their cyber insurance as as a writer to their professional indemnity, which means that they can't actually claim on it if they need it. It's for their clients to sue them to claim on and, uh, and other products that, you know, as you mentioned, just if you remove the wording that says, you know, you've got to be working from your place of work rather than any place or anyone working from home, then all of a sudden uh, you may not be covered when you think you are.
1: Yeah, you have to be super careful. And there are some really big underwriters out there that are actually no longer, for example, covering ransomware for you know, a number of the reasons that, that Fraser said earlier, because of AML issues. And also, and I fully acknowledge, big broad brush statement coming up from me, so apologies in advance. But the majority, I think I'm safe to say, of ransomware out there has its uh, birthplace in Russia. And there are some issues on that at the moment. So by actually paying them, it's not only AML, you're breaching all number of political covenants as well. So you just have to be super, super careful.
2: Yep.
0: Thank you. That was very insightful. Karen, I think this would be your favorite question today. What can financial advice practices do to be more cyber resilient? Oh,
1: gosh. Have we got about 12 hours? There are so many things. But look, I think first up, please don't get frightened by all the stats. Okay. Really, doing something is better than doing nothing because it's just all too hard. You know, it's a bit like, you know, if you're being chased by a crocodile, you don't need to be first. You just don't need to be last. And that that's, I think, a really good rule of thumb with this. Um, you know, the usual things, your best line of defence are your people. And by people, I mean staff, but clients as well. Okay? So you need to take them on the journey. And um, I think it's really important that it's done in increments, So a little bit over a long period is better because it sticks stronger than one big hail Mary, two hours worth of cyber training once a year, go get them sunshine. And look, I can guarantee that's a waste of two hours. So, you know, just just something there. Um, One, which is, and look, it's not sexy. It's not like, you know, hunting on the dark web for a Conti affiliate or anything like that. Password hygiene. Um, and you need to keep um, keep up with the time, so to speak. So this time last year, I would have been saying eight complex characters, uppercase, lowercase, this, that and the other. It's fine. It'll take about, you know, it'll be fine. Now I can breach, not me personally, obviously, I would never do that. But the naughty people can breach it in less than 60 minutes. Okay, so it's no longer eight. 12 will get you 3,000 years worth, but I can't promise what will happen next year. And 18, I think it is, will take about 92 billion years. There's a group called Hive. And if you Google Hive and password, they have a great little table. So just keep your eye on that. And, you know, raise that with both your staff and your clients. Just say, oh, have you updated your passwords recently? Did you know that Insert Social Media um, platform had a breach of passwords have you updated it recently it's really really important um if it's not in writing it I've got plausible deniability so if you've got you need policies and procedures and you need to make sure that everyone follows them so do you have social media policies password policies things of that nature um patching patch early patch often Catch everything. Um, and a great example of that is, if you haven't seen it, um, there was a breach uh, last year with Kaseya. So just Google that and it will come up. It started out as a ransomware payment, $70 million, thanks for being here. And that's in US dollars, so real money. They got a discount to 50, so yay them. Um, but the interesting thing is not the fact it was so big, but it was the fact that they knew that there was a what they call a vulnerability, so a, a place that the bad guy can get in. In July of 2015, 2015, the attack did not occur until July, 2021. And they do, they were doing what they call um, uh, a one-to-many approach. So the person that you've outsourced your IT to, your managed service provider, that was their target. They targeted 50 and they got 1,500 businesses. So, you know, you just sort of need to sort of start asking questions about it. Um, just quickly, because I, I, I want Fraser to have a thing in here, you know, website security, really important. Um, pay for it, don't get the freebie. Um, and device security. Everyone pay, not everyone, but many people pay $1,200 for a phone and they won't pay $8 a month for security on the phone that has, you know, receiving their two-factor, doing their emails for work and personal it's it's a crime
2: yeah i i I agree and then there's there's so many aspects to this obviously to me uh it starts with the staff it starts with the you know this all staff being trained and and getting ongoing training you know not um like you said not just doing something up front uh you know advisors are used to doing cpd um but this is kind of like you need to have cpd for all of your staff, every single person that can access your your database, that can access your CRM, all those sorts of things, anything inside your business, um, they all need to be locked down. Um, obviously, things like multi-factor authentication and uh, and permissions around which staff can get access to which things, only what they need to have. Um, there's a lot of that sort of stuff. That sort of what we call basic hygiene. Um, but then when we start getting to the the, the foundations, you know, having that staff training, um, having as you as you mentioned, your patching done and your and your software and your systems in place to to that you're paying for a decent a really good high level, high quality, as high as you can get antivirus type software that you're not just relying on the free version. Um, that would be a bit, bit, bit like me saying, what if I offered you a free income protection policy? Then you could cancel your paid one. You'd go, no way. I'm never going to take that because I know exactly that's going to be worth nothing. Uh, so don't worry about the free stuff. Um, the, you know, pay for something decent. Uh, I would say uh, the directors of business, you know, the the, the The liability falls on the directors of the business and the owners of the business to to take these reasonable steps. Um, ASIC will be looking at and the other regulators look at whether reasonable steps have been taken and the, the onus falls back on the business owner to make sure that something is being done uh, and those reasonable steps are being taken. Now, with a financial advice business, due to the nature of the data being held, you know, people's bank accounts, their the personal information, their medical information on a personal statement, uh, all their super details, there's so many complexities around what a financial advisor holds that the reasonable steps required by a financial advisor are higher than the reasonable steps required by your local gym or another business down the street. That just has your email address and their password on on file and i would say finally uh, obviously we spoke about insurance already but the next thing really is around email and domain about 93% of incidents start inside an email uh, email is not a safe space to send or receive information in fact it's not a safe space to even have a domain and email set up unless you put a fence around it when you <laughs> when you purchase a domain name on the internet your business name.com or .com.au or .com and .com.au you're purchasing pieces of real estate on the internet and you really need to put locks and keys and fences around those pieces of of real estate because people can come onto them and start pretending to be you and committing fraud uh, and you're pretty much liable for that because it's your piece of real estate on the internet
1: Exactly. and if I can just touch on the email security because that's like that's a huge one. because of the recent um, Ukraine invasion, we're finding that there's a malware out there. They have these great names. This one's called Imatet. um but essentially what they're doing is they're taking advantage of public sentiment with email campaigns and they're saying, you know, do you want to sponsor X,YZ in this area? you know, click here, go on and go forth. So you just have to be super careful. But the really um concerning thing, is it's no longer just a click here. By opening the email, if there is a picture in there, the picture can actually have a virus embedded in it. They call it a Trojan horse, and we all know what a Trojan horse is. So just be super careful. And the the trick of the trade is, you know, look at where the, where it's being sent from, but just be really, really careful that letters and numbers haven't been switched over. So if you have an I in your letter some in your name, sometimes they put a one, or if you have an, an O, sometimes they put a zero. And sometimes they put Cyr- Cyrillic characters. I'll get that out in a minute instead of our alphabet. So you just have to be a little bit aware. The days of getting an email like this with typos and bad grammar are pretty much gone and dusted. They actually had an app, Conti had a a web advert, both on the surface web, so the one that you and I play in, and the dark web just before Christmas. Now, Conti are one of the largest uh, providers of malware in the world, so they're quite naughty, and they were advertising for native English speakers. So um, I would suggest they probably found a few because they pay very well. And they have a an amazing business system. Like it is a pure business for them. So just be a little bit aware. Being too paranoid, I don't think, is is enough.
2: I just want to build on that comment too around the idea of cyber gangs. And these cyber gangs, are, you know, they, they do make a lot of money and they pay their staff very, very well. Some of them yes. actually, you know, think that they, they're working for legitimate organisations, but they mm-hmm. They pay this stuff very very well and they have very very high level people that are creating extremely mm-hmm. complex malware now they originally what they used to do is they used to take that high complex malware and they would attack large businesses and and go for large ransoms Um, but then what they decided to do after a while is go well actually we've got this really sophisticated software we're going to make this available as a service to um, local hackers down the road uh, and they can then use this really complex um, software and just pay them a percentage so uh, you know there's you know the financial advisors don't stand a chance against this sort of software unless they've got some really high security in place
1: yeah, and, and look, there's nothing worse than getting a call. We got a call um, last year. It wasn't from a client. I just want to point that out. It was from a prospect who said, oh, have you ever come across this group? And they inserted the name of Conti, which, as I've said it previously, is quite a large, well-known group. And I'm going, yes. They're going, is it bad? And I'm going, yes. And that started several months of fun-filled frivolities, which I would wish on no one. So just be super careful.
0: Right. so last question today. Um, how can we make cybersecurity part of the advice process? Fraser, we'll start with you.
2: Uh, I look, I think, I think there's lots of different little steps in the, in the process, the advice process, where, where security kicks in, and obviously, you know, sharing of information um, around secure client portals is essential, rather than information over email, as I have mentioned. Um, a lot of the fact-finding information um, you know, is very easy to set up a, a simple fact-finding form, but uh, again, you've got to make sure that that information is stored in the appropriate Australian servers, otherwise, you might breach some privacy principles. Um, with regard to information being stored overseas. So um, just be really careful when you're using things like uh, maybe Loom videos or something, because that might not be stored in Australian servers, or, or um, if you're using transcription services, then that also might be recording your client's personal, private, confidential information on servers that aren't based in Australia. So. Um, from all different aspects throughout the advice process, it's about making sure that, you know, maintaining high levels of security, password protections on, on you know, important information and documentation. Uh, as I mentioned, the client portals, are, uh, you know, that you need a secure client portal rather than um, transitioning information through email. Um, or All sorts of things around um email and domain security are really important there's about 12 or 13 different separate keys and pieces that should be involved in in, in an email which unfortunately slows email down and stops it getting uh, a lot of the time but it, but it's better to be safe than make uh, email should be safe rather than um, just really easy to in and receive. um and just, yeah, so, so very much around document, document sharing. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think the staff training things are essential too, um, that the policies and procedures, your staff are treating the confidential information um, like it's gold.
1: Absolutely. And just to, um, you know, reiterate on that email security, it pains me <laughs> um, when you see clients, you know, emailing, you know, application forms or whatever it happens to be, and they've saved it in their email. Email is not a library. So, if you are saving things in your Hotmail, Gmail, whatever mail, please, I beg of you, don't. And that's something that you can actually say in your client meetings. You know, when you have your review meetings, by the way, this is, you know, how seriously we're taking the protection of your data. One of the things that we always suggest to our clients is do not use email as a library system. So, you know, thing, things of that nature. But I think, and I, I bow to one of my old bosses here. So, Jono, if you're watching, um, he always said that prior preparation prevents poor performance. Yes, I've missed out one P because I don't want to offend anyone. Um, but essentially you need to have contingency, continuity and resumption plans in place. They need to be in writing and they need to be practised. If you do not practise them, don't bother putting them in writing. Just don't bother doing it. It's just not worth the paper it's written, written on. And the other thing which is going to probably sound a little bit weird coming from someone in cyber, make sure you have a hard copy because if you have it all saved on your system and your system is encrypted, you cannot get to it. And you also need to think in these plans. How am I going to get the message out to my clients, to my staff, when my main system is encrypted and I can't access it? Do I go to um, a fully encrypted messaging service? Please not WhatsApp. That is is not what I'm suggesting. If you're going down that route, look at Telegram or Signal. Um, But, you know, just, just sort of have a little bit of a think of that. And if you don't know where to start, because if you've not done it before, it can be a bit scary go back to your cyber insurance policy and see what they, they're saying that you must do in the event of a breach. And if you're not sure, ring up the BDM and get them to come out and do what they call a tabletop exercise. I would personally do that anyway and say, come on out, spend an afternoon with us and we're going to pretend to have a breach. And I want you BDM to walk me through the steps that I need to take in order to, to get this, this through. Um, and just to reiterate on what Fraser was saying before with the Kaplan, yes, 100% agree with that. Um, the other thing to remember, because advisors now have to adhere to the Tax Practitioners Board requirements as well, just make sure you're across that because they've been making some changes to the cyber requirements. So just, you know, be a little bit careful there as well.
2: Yeah, and just on the legislation, um, there's... ASIC do actually have a very good uh, part of their website where they talk about their um, their principles um, when involved with cyber security and cyber resilience. Um, so check out what what they've got on their website. But I would also refer back to the website, the new website that the government has put out called cyber.gov.au, which is a which is a great um, probably the first port of call for a lot of the cyber stuff that um, the government wants um, small business to put in place.
1: Yeah, but as I said. Doing something rather than doing nothing, I think, is really key.
2: Was that your final word?
1: <laughs> so <Sorry. laughs> I could go on for ages, but I will stop in the interest of sanity. So, yes.
0: I will do it again. So, we'll start with your Fraser. Your final words today.
2: I think the final word for me is to prioritise it, you know, make this something that your your business is part of your business as usual. And uh, to, to make, like I said, find a find a cyber champion, find somebody in the business that's going to take charge of it. Or if it's not going to be you, then it's got to be somebody in the business and and, and, and make sure that this becomes a, an ongoing uh, policy as, as a procedure as part of your business as usual. Karen? Right. Yeah.
1: Um, look, Cyber security doesn't need to be expensive or hard or scary you just need to take the first step um, but sometimes we don't know where to start and as Fraser quite rightly said have a look at the government websites um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn I put out a Friday file every Friday funny that and it just gives handy hints to SMBs on what to do with cyber security it's not a sell um, it's just more of an information because I think it's important that we share information in this environment. Or dive onto our website and have a look at some of the articles that I've written because I've touched on those topics that we've discussed, be it website security, how to have um, security in a device business. So if you do get stuck, please reach out. There are no questions that are that are dumb. I've been working with advisors for over 20 years. You can probably see the great. Um, we welcome more questions.
0: Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Ashley. Thanks, Fraser.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed episode eight of the AFA GenX podcast. A huge shout out to Karen and Fraser for their time. Mm -hmm. Thanks again to the AFA and Advice Intelligence. See you soon.